You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Oh, good morning on this hump day. I'm not just saying this. We have a great show planned for you today. I am really excited. And we're going to move some things around, which we don't usually do. Tom and I are creatures of habit, and in radio you tend to have set segments and things that's so people know where they are. Not today. Uh, many, many moons ago... Many years ago, at the start of of his tenure as the co-owner and really the principal owner, the leader of the Kansas City Chiefs, Clark Hunt, I was a reporter at the Kansas City Star, and I can't even remember. We'll talk to Clark about it in an hour. I think I spent a week or two shadowing the guy in Kansas City and Dallas where he lives and his business operations are and got to know him. And fast forward now, obviously, the Chiefs have won a couple Super Bowls in the last few years. They have the most dynamic player on the face of the earth. The future is bright. And very excited that that Clark Hunt, the owner of that organization, of that team, will join us. And the plan is for that to happen around 11.15 Eastern Time, 8.15 Pacific Time out here on the West Coast. So about an hour and and 10 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes from now, we'll visit with, with the Chiefs owner. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He has lately. Excited to have him on. That means, though, that we're going to move buy or sell to the next segment. So that moves up a birthday present I got for for Andrew Bogish. And I say I got it. Like, I sort of, me and Tom, right, we went in on this together. So so Bogish uh, turned 58, I think, on, um, did I get that right, Tom? Uh, on uh, last Saturday. <laughs> Does that sound wrong? Uh, just a little off. I think maybe he's a little younger than that. Not much. It's my Nick Costos joke. I stole it from Nick Costos. Uh, so we'll give Andrew, who we've missed, and is back today and tomorrow. He's doing a lot of fill-in work here, uh, hosting, doing a great job this week. Uh, we'll visit with, with, with Bogish. We've got a, a per- birthday present for him. We'll give it to him about 15 minutes when we do buy or sell. Mike McDaniel with some probably unnecessary candor on Tua Tonga Vailoa we want to get into. And I don't know if you're tired of hearing about, and in this case, again, from Aaron Rodgers. I have mixed feelings on it. But he has spoken for the first time since his darkness retreat. And I think it's actually fairly interesting and fairly insightful. And he, and I'm sure it's happened. I just can't remember him referencing Brett Favre. We have in the context of when he, Aaron Rodgers, is going to make a decision. We'll do all those things. We start, though, with, with Kevin Durant's debut tonight for the Phoenix Suns. And there's a lot to unpack here. And I'm sure we'll do it over the, over the coming months. Here's the deal, though. Kevin Durant's legacy the way he should be assessed will be absolutely crystallized by what he does as a member of the Phoenix Suns. This stretch, the next 20 games or so of the regular season, and the remaining playoff run, however long that lasts for Phoenix, most people, myself included, think it's likely to last all the way through June and maybe up to and including a championship. And then the years that follow will dictate how great Kevin Durant is. This is legacy time. Not what happened in Golden State, in a good way for his legacy. Not necessarily what happened in Brooklyn, which is a shambles, I think, and you should too. It's righter than you. Let's go with it. For Kevin Durant's legacy, who he is, how he's regarded, how he should be viewed will come down to what he does on what, his fourth super team, but the third that he chose? This is a guy who has gone from excellent team to excellent team to excellent team. And as loaded as this Suns team is, and I think it is, I know Chris Paul is 38 going on, pretend bogus, 58 years of age. He's still a dynamic player, especially if managed properly. Easier said than done. 
if all you need out of him are 20 or 25 or 28 minutes per game, 15 dynamic minutes, 10 dynamic minutes, because you've also got a guy named Devin Booker who's an astounding talent and has the potential to be a consistent top, I don't want to exaggerate, I don't, I don't think it's top five, but a consistent top ten player in the NBA. And certainly, a, a la Clay with Steph, Devin Booker's excellence can come quicker and be easier with a, a guy like Kevin Durant. Defenses have to also, of course, pay attention to. And we haven't even gotten into DeAndre Ayton, who may not be the happiest guy in the world there and may not be super thrilled that he's still there. And as I understand it, may not always love his interactions with Chris Paul. That's not rare. But is still every single day that DeAndre Ayton steps onto a floor. No matter what team he plays in the NBA, if you want to put Ayton as the fourth best player on that Suns team, he is by far the, the best fourth best player in the National Basketball Association. And I would argue that on the days where the Suns are playing basketball, and Ayton is the fourth best player on that team, and there will be days, I'm telling you, where Ayton plays as the second or third best player on that team, Ayton's going to be better than probably everybody but one or two guys on the opposing team. That is how deep the Suns are. But the difference in this Durant opportunity, the difference for Durant, for me, and it should be for you, in whether or not he's an all-time great like Scottie Pippen, he'll be regarded as better than that, but an all-time great like Scottie Pippen, who's amazing but was never the guy, versus someone who can be truly considered a top 10 player in the history of the sport is whether he can win in Phoenix. And this is the reason. He has never in his life, Kevin Durant, won an NBA championship and been the best player on his team. Ever. What begins tonight against a battered Charlotte team, Charlotte team that does not have LaMelo Ball, ankle injury out basically for the season, a Charlotte team that was already bad, a Charlotte team that really has a chance to lose by 40 points tonight, to a Sun squad that's probably going to run roughshod over him. We'll see. This Phoenix Suns team, this Kevin Durant debut tonight, it's an opportunity for him to prove, because he hasn't done it yet, no matter what he says or what his fans say, that he can be the best player on a championship team. He's not. I don't even, That's not even under debate anymore. It was, erroneously, a question during his time in Golden State. And I know all the details. I know they won a couple titles I know that he joined a 73-win team, but that team, that 73-win team, didn't beat LeBron and the Cavs. I was there. I'm aware of it. I know Durant got the finals MVPs both times rather than Steph Curry. He shouldn't have gotten the second, but he was great in both series. I'm aware. I know Kevin Durant is somewhere between the second, let me correct that, somewhere between the first and fifth best scorer in the history of the National Basketball Association. I understand he's a marvelous talent, but when you're discussing the level of greatness, the thin margins between the first best player and the third best player and the seventh best player and the 15th best player and the 20th best player. And Durant not only is in some conversation in that range, he's talked about the fact he thinks he is. You're going to be assessed on everything. We've moved past, you're really good, you make a bunch of money, everybody loves you. You want to be considered one of the best of all time? You have to be able to win championships as the best player on your team. Kevin Durant's never done it. Steph Curry is the better player, has been the better player, made life easier for Kevin Durant, made everything better for Durant by subjugating his own ego. You can get into the psychology. You can get into the data. You can just get into the fact that Durant left, went to a super team with the Nets. It fell apart. In the meantime, Steph Curry won another championship against a really good Celtics squad last year. But it's a chance for, chance for KD. And as much as the talent in Phoenix is overwhelming, and it's overwhelming, and I may be wrong here, I'm normally the guy who says, slow down, 
all that glitters is not gold. Neon lights often showcase themselves above seedy realities underneath. Don't get carried away. I'm a, I'm a believer. I believe in the Suns' absolute talent. I don't think Chris Paul, in fact, I know Chris Paul has a major negative reality as a leader. I've reported it. We've talked about it. He and I are not the you know biggest fans of each other in the world. That needs to be navigated. I think it will be. I'm aware that DeAndre Ayton is not super thrilled that he's a Phoenix Sun and wanted to go somewhere else, and they had his rights. They were able to, to match the offer that he got. And I'm normally the guy, and see the column that I wrote over at CBSSports.com about Atlanta. I'll talk about that in an hour. I have some news on, on sort of the Quinn Snyder situation. I'm aware that drama in the locker room usually leads to problems on the floor. There's so much talent, I'm not worried about it. I know that Devin Booker is going to have to find a way to be one of the best players on earth while playing with Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, and there's only so many shots to go around. And I'm aware that Kevin Durant has failed in Oklahoma City. I think it's a little bit less on him or a little bit less of a stain on his legacy. Stain's unfair. He was younger. They did blow a 3-1 series lead to the Warriors in the conference finals, to be fair. And I'm aware that Kevin Durant's decision-making, his leverage he threw around, his trust in Kyrie Irving, his need to just parachute out of Brooklyn is a Kevin Durant problem. The, the problem in Brooklyn, and if you saw this, Durant said, I'm really sorry it didn't work out. You're the reason it didn't work out. You're the reason it didn't work out. I'm aware that those are red flags. There's just so much talent. There are people utterly dismissing, in every way, the Suns. John Hollinger, who I know a little bit, don't know well, don't dislike, don't like, don't, like, don't know well enough to have an opinion. Uh, media guy... Then in the front office of the Grizzlies, now where is he, the Athletic? Because I think it's a rule that 82% of every single writer on earth has to work at the Athletic. Uh, came out with who can win. He had a mathematical formula. Came out this morning, who can win an NBA championship? He doesn't even have the Suns on there. Suns aren't a part of the mix. It's wrong. The Suns should win the Western Conference. They can win the whole thing. And, like, I'm not sleeping on Boston or, or Milwaukee. I've said all year before the Durant trade, I thought the Bucks were going to be the best team in the NBA. They've won 15 in a row. They're the team right now that everybody thinks is that team. Boston's just as good. It's marginal. I think Milwaukee's a little better. It'll go back and forth. I'm aware those teams have a chance to beat the Suns. But Kevin Durant has an opportunity to go out tonight and to begin the process of playing for a super team where finally he is the most important player and the best player, and he has to be the guy for them to win. Chris Paul has never won an NBA championship, ever. He's only made one. Devin Booker is not at the level yet, maybe he'll get there someday, maybe he won't, of being a guy that can be the best player on a championship team. DeAndre Ayton's a really nice piece. He ain't that guy. It's the Kevin Durant show. It's about Kevin Durant. What he does on the floor, his ability to be durable, and his ability to manage the difficulties of a locker room that have a lot of egos, a lot of stars, and some of the drama that I talked to you about. Not the least of which is Chris Paul's track record of rubbing guys the wrong way. Durant couldn't get along with Russell Westbrook. Now, in retrospect, no one can. Okay, my bad on criticizing you, KD, back in the day. Kevin Durant didn't want to stay at a Golden State Warriors team that was the paradise of locker rooms during his time there. And a teammate in Steph Curry, if you can get past the jealousy of how good he is, who might be literally, in terms of talent, the greatest teammate in the history of the sport. Literally. And obviously, Kevin Durant didn't understand what he was getting into when he got into that marriage of convenience with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. This is his chance. Everything about KD, 
the difference between being the fifth best player of all time and the twelfth best player of all time, the difference between being one of the greats of this century and an amazing player who gets overshadowed by LeBron and Steph and Giannis, and by the way, Jokic is going to win his third straight MVP this year, and whoever the next person is, the difference between being the player that he thinks he is in the eyes of history and being the guy that I think he is right now, despite his historical excellence, it comes down to what he does starting tonight and going forward with the Suns. He's in his almost mid-30s, basically mid-30s. He's getting older. He can't stay durable. He chose another super team. He's the best player on the team. They have every opportunity in a brutal West. I'm not sleeping on anybody. Even you, Kings fans. I see your beam of light, not literally, because I live in L.A., shooting up from the top of your arena every time you win games. I know Denver's legit. I mean, Memphis is so obnoxious. I didn't watch this part of the game, but the third quarter yesterday, John Morant scored 182 points or something, and D-Cell watched it, and D-Cell's take was basically, why is John obnoxious? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Those guys are arrogant, but they're also really good. You just go down the list. I know the West is formidable. I know that when Milwaukee or Boston come out of the East, it could be the Sixers, it could be Cleveland, when Milwaukee or Boston come out of the East, whoever plays them, that's going to be a hell of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't going to be easy. But everything is there for Kevin Durant to lead the Suns to to greatness. If he doesn't do it, Kevin Durant doesn't win at least a title in Phoenix, you're going to know what he's about. He's the greatest second-best player on a team in the history of a championship NBA reality. He's the best version of Scottie Pippen ever. And I don't mean that as a put-down. Look, I love what I do for a living. I think I'm pretty good at it. I'm not famous. I'm not the best person in my own network. I'm not... I'm, but I'm not walking around being like, oh, I'm the greatest radio host ever. Kevin Durant wants to be that guy. Great, go get it. This is your chance. This is your chance. Most of us, me, Tom, you, wherever you're listening, we are not in competition to be the greatest in the history of our chosen careers at what we do. Kevin Durant sees himself that way, and he has that talent. He is worthy of fighting for a spot to be one of the best of all time. You want to be that guy, KD, you better go get a ring with this team. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. Uh, Twitter sports writer sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. So we're moving by or sell up. It's coming up in just a few minutes because we've got Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, in an hour, and we work around his schedule. Actually, I was like, you work on our schedule, Clark. And he was polite, like, no, man, I, I can do it now. I said, whatever you want, sir. So we got him in an hour. That's exciting. Uh, buy or sell coming up and a birthday present. Is it wrapped? Tom, are you are we ready for the presentation? Uh, we're more of a gift bag show. Gift bag. So gift yeah, bag. I, I can't wrap the the corners always get either. me. I wrap it and it, everything I wrap looks like a basketball, <laughs> and then you open it and it's a box. I, I'm serious. I Lori makes me wrap Christmas presents when that time of year, and I just she thinks I'm trolling. I'm terrible at it. So we didn't wrap. We got a gift bag. Uh, so we got by ourselves and a birthday present. For Andrew Bogish to celebrate his 60th birthday next year on, on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Clark Hunt, owner of the Chiefs, coming up in an hour. Good morning, Andrew Bogish. Oh, hey, sweet Willie. Hey, buddy. Missed you. Missed you're, you. You're, um, we got your birthday present. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. I'm right back at you. I oh, did thanks. not get you anything, though. Oh, no. Yeah. Feeling so hurt. Um, we're going to do it in buy or sell because I just want to see if you like it, right? We're going to do a little like, you know, do you, so just prepare yourself, get ready. Um, Tom and I really try to find the perfect gift for you. And that's just a little tease of what to look forward to in today's early edition of buy or sell. 
What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. Diesel, do you, do you, should we should we do the birthday present now or should we save it for the end like a, like a cherry on top? No, I think we need to do it right away. First things first here. Get out of the way. So, so Andrew, you turned 33 over the weekend, if I remember properly. Uh, incorrect. 43. 43. 43. Yeah. So not 35 or 58. No, right, but right, almost right smack in the middle of that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, so you might not know this, but there are times in the show where, you know, intentionally or otherwise, we put you in difficult positions, right? I'm trying to think of an example. Like maybe we ask you which host you hate the most or who's the least talented or or we just ask you a generally very, I think, relevant and, and fair sports question. And with your face and often with your words, you say, <sighs> I, I will not discuss this. Yeah. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. So how I'm trying to remember how many we said. Did we say we were going to give you 10 basically get out of rather than you moments for free cards for this year? Did 10 sound right? To be honest, because um, this did come up recently again with D-Cell, and I remembered almost nothing of the backstory here. <laughs> yeah. So there was there was a number, but I don't remember what the number was or the time frame for using said number. I think we're, 10 seems fair. Okay. We're going to go 10. For the so rest of the gonna, year? The rest of the year expires the end of the year. Um, whenever you'll have to have a secret signal, you give... You give uh, D-Cell. Now, the face you tend to make is usually signal enough for me. Right. But you talk to Tom about whether – here's what it sounds like when basically you overrule whatever we're doing on the show. Yep, you're bogeyed. Love Happy it. Happy birthday. Get it out. Now, yep. will D-Cell's chair drop through the floor? Will he be oh, ejected on. from the seat, oh, or is it just on. audio? I mean, emotionally – both of us will have our floors vanish and or be ejected. But okay. physically speaking, I think they're going to work on some other stuff in the studio before they work on the on the chair that falls apart. That seems fair. I, I would agree that this is not high on the list of priorities. <laughs> oh, the chair could you fall apart. You got bogey. Right. So by- <laughs> but on its own, yeah. for other reasons, D-Cell just might fall through his chair, but not because I hit a button. 100%, just because it breaks. Um, buy or sell you like the, the, the present we sh- we got for you. I'm honored because no one else around here got me anything. So thank you very much for even remembering it was my birthday. That's not true. I give you friendship every single day. Oh, no, 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 no. You're included in the group, and and then thank you for this present. And I was speaking to people out, outside this show, other shows, the newsroom, rest of the network. I heard from Bill. I heard from Tom. I heard from a former boss on my birthday. And then at the end of my actual birthday, a couple of other people chimed in, I think, after they were prompted by social media posts, tweets, reminded of it. It was not top of mind for them as the day began. So shame on them. But thank you guys for remembering. To be fair, I didn't think the universe could be so beautiful as to put our birthdays back to back. My birthday was Sunday. Yeah. So on Saturday, just assuming that I wouldn't be so lucky as to have a birthday back to back with you, I thought, oh, I missed it by a day and wished you a belated Happy, I, I think I said, and you, but you gave me a direct hit response. Which yeah, you, shunk, you sunk my battleship on Saturday. I did sink your battleship. What a beautiful world we live in. All right, play some Ray Charles, and let's keep this. Let's keep this show going. All right, let's get to some I NFL here, Bill. Mountains. <laughs>
Titans brand <laughs> <all> the words. <laughs> Titans brand new GM Rand Carthon spoke yesterday about Ryan Tannehill's future in Tennessee. Ryan's done a great job. Uh, Ryan, Ryan's won a lot of football games, as you guys know. So he's under contract. I'm excited about moving forward with him. And, you know, I know everybody wants to make a big deal, you know, out of the quarterback position and whether he will or won't be here. But you guys just have to accept the fact that Ryan is under contract, you know, for us. And right now he's a Titan and he will be a Titan. Did you catch that at the end? Right now he is a Titan. Right now. Ryan Tannehill has a $36.6 million cap hit this season. The team could save $18 million in cap space by cutting him. Now, Tannehill turns 35 this summer and dealt with multiple ankle injuries last season. Plus, as we mentioned, don't forget, they have a new GM, as we mentioned. John Robinson, who brought Tannehill to Nashville, has been fired. Buy or sell Ryan Tannehill getting released by the Titans this offseason. Buy or sell Ryan Tannehill. I mean, what are the what are the replacement options here, guys? Malik Willis, who's on their roster, is not ready to play. We saw it last season when he had to fill in in spot duty when Tannehill was injured. He's not ready. They tried to hide him last year. So they would have to draft somebody or bring a different veteran in. I know the combine's going on, so I should know this. I haven't done the prep, I guess, and I'm not an expert. Do you have to? Is it helpful to be able to throw a football? to play quarterback is that it helps i don't know if it's a necessity okay well i think the okay. specific trait is throwing it to the guys that are on your team i see allowing them then to make plays after they catch it because anybody so, can throw it it's throwing it right. to the right guy at the right Got time it. that's the real requirement here so league will is maybe not the guy then just based on what we've seen well i mean based on this comment because if you thought malik will well I mean, I didn't expect them to cut Ryan Tannehill at the podium yesterday, but that comment is either yeah. if you need a quarterback, I'm not giving you Ryan Tannehill for free. So if you need a guy, you're going to have to give me something to take Ryan away from me. But it also didn't read well for Malik Willis because if Malik Willis was closer to playing, you'd think he would have been a little less committed to Ryan Tannehill yesterday. There's so much going on here because $37 million is a big cap hit. This yeah. is obviously not the guy that, that drafted Malik Willis, which doesn't bode well for Malik Willis, even if Malik Willis was a question mark, right? It was, Mac, say, Mac Jones. Let's say it was Mac Jones, where he'd had some success. I'm going to – I don't know. I'm going to sell that they, they release him. Sell. But I don't think Tannehill is that good anymore either. They are, in a, they are up a river without a paddle in a canoe. Did I did I get the expression right, Andrew? You did. I was just I, I was waiting for a pun, so I I it let me down at the end. But you were right in general. But it did remind me of a river runs through it, which is a classic, very good movie, and holds up. Yes. Have you seen that one? D cell. Uh, a river no. runs through it. I have not. Oh, bro, bro. Add You'll it to the love list. Love it. Add it to the ever growing. You'll love list. it. You'll love it, dude. It's great. Great film. All right, let's stay in the NFL here, Bill. Last week, we discussed on the show the Athletics' in-depth article that said Russell Wilson tried to get Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider fired. Then Russ, subsequently, a week later, was traded to the Denver Broncos. Yesterday, Pete Carroll was asked about what he thought of the Athletics' report and where he stands with Russell Wilson. I'm always going to hang with him, and I'm never going to leave him. And I'm going to be there at the end of all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff. I'm going to still be there. And so uh, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm hanging. Regardless of what has happened or has taken place or the things that have been said at all, if you hang with him, it all comes back around. So I'm good. Buy 
or sell bill that you think Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are actually on speaking terms? Well, that's a great question, dude. Sell. No, absolutely sell. not. Sell. Do you want to push back on this, Andrew? Do you want to lean into the, the, the nature of humanity being kind and wonderful? I think probably the pettiness that sounds the picture we've gotten of pettiness of, of Russell Wilson plus the reality of, of him trying to get these guys fired. Plus, Pete Carroll not saying it's not true. Yeah. They're not talking right now. I mean, that was the biggest takeaway for me. I thought Carroll handled it great. Most people refute these things even when they're true. Right. Yeah. No, that that's the headline. I don't know whether they're talking or not, but whatever the relationship is, it has to be affected by what Russell did because Pete Carroll didn't say it was untrue. Like that, no, that to did. me, that's the, the, the omission is the big thing there. He never said it didn't happen. That's nonsense. He just said, we're fine now. But he didn't say, Russ never asked for me to lose my job. It's, I mean, yeah. And that's, that is, I mean, like, I, I wrote a story today, so it's top of mind on the Hawks. And one of the things that I heard and I reported is that Landry Fields, the new GM in Atlanta, didn't want Quinn Snyder, right? Which is obviously, like, perplexing given the fact he's the GM and they just hired Quinn Snyder. And I'm just waiting for. I like Landry, but I'm just waiting for Landry to tell reporters there it's not true. I am very accustomed to reporting things that are true and having people say, and when they, when some of them have told me, I know you got it right, Bill, then saying publicly, this isn't true. The fact Pete Carroll didn't do that, right, that's just the, is, is shock, is shock. He, yeah, let me go back to your question. I will sell there on speaking terms. I will buy that Pete Carroll currently hates Russell Wilson. Buy. And has for a while. Yeah. If the report oh, here, I go. If the because I can only speak to what I've reported. I haven't reported anything, obviously, in the NFL. If the reporting is true that Russell Wilson tried to get those guys fired, and that Russell Wilson, with his own office, was a bit of a weirdo diva as it relates to normal quarterback procedures, this guy sounds like a lot to manage over the years. So if you're Pete Carroll and you went through this for years, and the payment, the repayment of of, of put for putting up with 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 Pete Carroll or with Russell Wilson was he tried to get you fired. You would hate him. Although, if you if he says fire these guys and instead he gets traded to Denver, he goes there and sucks, you stay in power in Seattle, yeah. his backup outperforms him, and you have all of those picks. Maybe Pete's got no reason to hate him. Maybe he's walking around being buddy-buddy because he knows he's won and he's already moved past it and whatever hard feelings he had. I love, I think it's Frank Sinatra. If it's not Frank Sinatra, just correct me wherever you are in the universe at Sports Writer, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R, and Shatter My World. I love the Frank Sinatra quote, the best revenge is massive success. Yeah. And implicit, I think, in that is massive failure of your enemies, right? So, like, if Pete, you're right, Pete Carroll, I thought, was, that was a successful season last year, just given what they did with Geno. And when they draft a quarterback, am I, are you doing that? Am I stepping on your, your, your script at all? No, no, go for it. So they're going to draft a quarterback. They basically said they're paying attention to the quarterbacks. They've got the fifth pick. Is that right? And then Correct. They've got some second-round picks. Think about what they're going to do. Like, had Geno not happened, I would have been uncertain whether they could develop a quarterback again. Haven't seen what they did with Geno Smith. Draft even sort of the right guy, and in a couple years, Seattle's going to be off and running. Hey, Diesel, buy or sell, you know who Frank Sinatra is. Buy. Okay, good. Oh, and he's saying... You know, about going to New York. If I can make it there, I can make it. That's your city. He's born and raised in New Jersey and made famous in New York. Of course I know who Frank Sinatra is. Come on, Bogus. Is he a He's traitor? A guy? Yeah. Uh, born in Hoboken. Uh, I thought he was a New York guy. I just assumed. 
No, no, no. Wow. He just he he sees what D Cell doesn't. He was in New Jersey, said, I gotta get to New York, <laughs> get me there. Here's a song about it, whereas D Cell barely leaves the state. Here's something I never knew until I moved to New York. And I didn't know anything about New York City. Even my mom's from, from Jersey, like right across the way. Isn't Hoboken basically New York City? Uh its nickname is the sixth borough. Yes. Right. There's okay. also an East New York in New Jersey. That is correct. Yeah. Wait, uh, what? West New York. West New York. West, right, New, West York. New York, yeah. I, you, you almost blew my mind. With, yeah, I my was bad. about to make fun of Jersey people for not knowing directions. No, no, my fault. Okay. West New Jersey. Yeah. Either way, the point remains, they can't, that river that separates the two states isn't big enough for Jersey. They got to grab and reach across all except D-Cell. Focus, where are you from? New York, baby. Queens. The real one. Yeah, city. Go, Look at me. Go. I'm tough. Yeah, you are. I know things about the street. Yay, America, you got bogeyed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, you're bogeyed. That doesn't count as one to ten. I didn't know no, that doesn't. one. That's a, that's a bonus one. It's By the, the way, I'm not kidding. You're, you should use these because, you know, when it's not your birthday, we're going to get right back to just, you know. No, I know, but I got ten questions. to use in like nine yeah. and a half, or what, ten and a half months. So I got to be, I got to go slow here. I mean, at least once a month, I ask you which play-by-play announcer you think sucks at their job nationally. Just... I have a running list, but it's not for air. <laughs> I know. I can see in your face sometimes. All right, let's get to some. Ho- let's get to some hoops here. Last night, the <laughs> Clippers kidding. moved to zero and three with Russell Westbrook in the lineup, falling one hundred eight to one hundred one to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, over in Dallas, Bill, the Mavericks are now one and four with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic both in the lineup together. The Mavs lost to the Pacers last night, 124-122, where Kyrie Irving missed a potential game-winning three-pointer with just over a second remaining. Buy or sell, you're more concerned about the Dallas Mavericks than you are the L.A. Clippers. Oh, wow. That's a, that is a great question, too. I... I mean, I think they both had, had sort of outside championship possibilities. Dallas is more demonstrably because Lucas played and, and the Clippers more difficult to read because Kawhi missed so much time and Paul George. Buy or sell, I'm more concerned about Dallas. Buy? Buy! I'm concerned about both. It's a really good question. I don't think either have a chance, but the Clippers had a chance without Westbrook, so in theory, right, in theory, they could try to just do what they what the Lakers did, eventually just decide you're coming off the bench. It ain't going to happen. Neither team are going to be successful. But but I obviously Dallas is all in with Kyrie. He, his, he doesn't even have a deal in the summer, so I'm assuming their, their plan is to try to bring him back. They're going to play him. He's a loser. Yeah. Who Do you bogus? Who, who would you rather believe in? I guess I'd ra- I guess I believe in the Clippers more, but believe in neither is the answer. Yeah, I mean, and I would believe in the Clippers if I had to pick one because I don't want to put any faith behind Kyrie in any way. Be nice to him. When you wrote this question, Diesel, did you begrudgingly, in your own mind's eye, lean toward Dallas as your pick? I did lean towards Dallas, but I don't think the Clippers are in a good situation right now. Having Westbrook in your lineup does things to your offense. And, Bill, that they've given up so many points in the last three games. I know defense isn't of the utmost importance in the regular season, but, man, they've given up a ton of points. Yeah. Yeah. Neither Look, it's, it's Phoenix. It's Denver. It's maybe Memphis, and I know it's crazy, but if Steph Curry comes back and plays the entirety of a postseason, and 
I, I think the Warriors have the kind of chance maybe the Lakers would have had if things had clicked. But I, I, I don't think the... The thing about the Clippers in Dallas is I do think they can beat several teams in the playoff series. There's just no chance they can win 16 games. They can't win 12 games in the playoffs, but they can beat somebody they shouldn't. All right, let's finish up with some college hoops here. Three days after Brandon Miller's most recent pat-down routine, Alabama head coach Nate Oates took ownership of the situation yesterday. That situation's on me. We addressed as a team. As soon as I brought it up to them, they immediately understood how it could be interpreted, and we all felt awful about it. They explained to me that it's like when TSA checks you before you get on a plane, and now Brandon's cleared for takeoff. We as the adults in the room should have been more sensitive to how it could have been interpreted, and I I dropped the ball. That's, That's it. I dropped the ball on it. We've addressed it. I can assure you it won't happen again. Now, as we know, Bill, Miller is connected to the murder of a 23-year-old mother. While Miller himself is not facing any criminal charges, he is said to have brought the gun to Darius Miles, who has since been dismissed from the Alabama basketball program after he and Michael Davis were charged with capital murder, Davis being the one who is believed to have pulled the trigger. Davis, Bill, has no connection to the Alabama basketball program. Buy or sell Nate Oates taking ownership of Brandon Miller's pregame pat-down routine Three days after it most recently happened. Let me sell. I mean, A. Sell. Three days. B. Give me a break. C. Don't tell me there's adults in the room. There's no adults in the room. I mean, stop. Come on. Let let me ask you guys a question that might be a little uncomfortable because I don't want you to interpret this for it's okay. Let me be very clear. That pat down's unacceptable. It's not okay that it happened. There's no excuse. The kids shouldn't be playing. We've discussed it. It's obvious. Buy or sell, you think, even though it's not an excuse, that there's any chance that pat-down is really about the TSA and take off at an airport? I'll answer my own question first. I I sort of bought it when I I first heard it, and then I changed my mind. So I'm going to sell. I just don't believe that. Sell. Do you guys, maybe it's reasonable? Well, so the when this first, when this happened Saturday, the initial story was this was an MMA reference because you get patted down apparently on the way into an MMA, the octagon, to make sure you have, I guess you have oh, nothing yeah. with you or whatever, and that he had been doing it all along. So I don't know what I don't. So I don't think it was. I, I, God, I mean, I hope it's not somehow they're not there. They're not just straight lying to us. That has a connection well, to the case. But, but would the, you put it past them? Well, if it went from if it went from its MMA to its TSA, do they deserve the benefit of the doubt right now? No, and even and it's it's weird because I want to crush all of the adults in the room, but he's also not a child. Like he right. should have known yes. without anyone telling him, I should probably stop doing it. Even if you do it once, and in the moment you go, oh man, that might have looked bad based on everything that's going on in my life. But again, he also knew that he was involved all along, like they did. They've been laid on all of this. What's the MMA? Where did that come from? I missed I totally missed that. Where did, Do you know who like who the, asserted that? The first people that I saw writing about it Saturday, it. I think even the person that posted the video that everyone were, that everyone reacted to, all the stories on Saturday were that it's an MMA reference. Because you get patted down going into the ring before a fight. Yeah. That makes more sense. Now, maybe that was just somebody thinking that's what other people had done it for and therefore right. applied to everybody. I mean, TSA, you don't get patted down before every flight. You've got to get picked randomly for that. So, like, that seems like more of a stretch than the MMA argument. But it's just 
all of them should be embarrassed. None of them are because no one ever actually is because they, all they care about is, is playing and winning. That's it. I know we're out of time. I'll close with this. The young man shouldn't be playing, and that head coach shouldn't be employed. For me at this stage, and that athletic director shouldn't be the athletic director. When you can't get the obvious stuff right, you don't belong as the steward of this that kind of a university and and in charge of the supposed young men and young women who aren't quite adults. His words, to a degree, right? Not mine. Give me a break. All right, 855-212-4CBS. Uh, Want to get into Mike McDaniel being a little too candid on Tua. Tua's future is certainly in question. That is coming up here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from the birthday boy from a few days ago, Andrew Bogus. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. What's going on? I don't know why I'm singing that to you. So... We have been pretty hearty in our praise of Mike McDaniel and the job that he has done as the head coach of the Dolphins. There was a stretch last year, I think a legitimate stretch, where the reality was that they were one of the elite teams or near elite teams after, this was before really I think the Bengals sort of got on that uh, a long enough streak they were in the group, really like at a Chiefs level, a Buffalo level, a Philly level. And then, obviously, Tua had issues with concussions and concerns about his ability to stay healthy. There's no doubt, at least for me, that the Dolphins were a part of severely mismanaging Tua Tungavailoa's concussion situation. And it's become uncertain enough what Tua can do going forward that we had. was I think it was Joe Theismann on the show, Tom, this week. I think it was Joe who said, it might have been Brian McFadden, I think it was Joe, who just questioned whether or not neurologically Tua will be able to have an NFL career going forward, whether he's going to be able to continue to be a quarterback in the National Football League for health reasons. So that's all the context for what the Dolphins do about Tua. He'll be on the roster this upcoming year, but on May 1st, if I have the date right, on May 1st, they have to make a decision. Tua's about to enter his fourth year. They have to make a decision about his fifth-year option. Right? This happens every now and then. It's in the $20 million-plus range. It's more than that, where they've got to decide a year out, basically, a year and a half out, do we want him for that fifth year? And we've seen this situation before. And had you gone back to any stretch of the season where it began last season, a few months ago, several months ago, to look like Tua and the Dolphins were going to be legit, and when we were praising Mike McDaniel, the answer would have been, of course, you're not just going to do the fifth-year option. You're going to get the guy a new deal. Things have changed, and in, in visiting with the media in the lead-up to because of the combine, Mike McDaniel was pretty darn candid. What, what is today's date? It's in February. What's our, our deadline? So we probably best serve to utilize the time. That's kind of um, uh, the, the way we're approaching it. But um, uh, that doesn't mean that we're spending any um, long period of time not discussing it. This is um, something that uh, uh, Chris and I have been working through and will continue to work through. I'm pretty honest. Pretty candid. I mean, what he's saying to you is we don't know, and it's a difficult enough question that we'll let you know when we figure it out. It's reasonable. It's probably the correct process to go through, but it is a telling change in where Tua was six months ago versus today, and it tells you that it's not just Joe Theismann or Brian McFadden or me or or Tom or anybody else who have concerns. It's the Miami Dolphins. If it were Joe Burrow, in this situation, they wouldn't be the answer would be simple. You'd get a are you kidding me with that question? Of course we're gonna pick up his fifth year option. We're working on a deal. If it were Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes 
or any other young quarterback at this stage of the process between a player and a team, and there weren't an extension in place, of course you would pick up the deal. And this just highlights, and it underscores, not the questions about Tua's play. That was the question a year ago today. Can Tua play? Is Tua good enough to play? Who the hell's Mike McDaniel? What is he going to work out? It, it, this is how quickly things can happen in the National Football League. It's gone from, wow, Tua is absolutely good enough. Is he physically able? And it's an uncomfortable thing to discuss in this context because we're not talking about an inability to keep his hamstring healthy. We're not talking about a knee injury. We're talking about the real-world realities of brain trauma in football that has long-term consequences. And those are awful. It also has short-term consequences. Can Tua, because of this reality, play at a high enough level to be in the NFL? Ugly question, but a question the Dolphins have to wrestle with. Should Tua, for his own self-interest, play in the National Football League, given the concussions we saw last year? That's a Tua Tungabaloa question. And he has to weigh wealth and love for the game and ambition and his own health and you know the uncertainty of what's going to happen next. These are difficult, difficult realities. I think they're probably going to pick it up. I think they're probably going to have to roll the dice. We just had a conversation about what do you do with Ryan Tannehill at $36 million for a year. But it's an uncertainty. And it speaks to the precarious reality of guys, especially guys built like Tua who are young, who have had concussion issues early on. It's a problem for teams, it's a problem for players, and it's not an easy thing to answer, and you heard that from Mike McDaniel. Uh, let's. Um, I, I want to give you some insight. I did some reporting on the Atlanta Hawks, on Quinn Snyder, had his first game as the head coach in Atlanta last night, and some of the drama with that organization. I'll, I'll share that with you next year on CBS Sports Radio.